Hi there, this is Curtis Dieter. Like all of you, I am many things. A husband, a father, and a son. I'm a hard worker and a dreamer, a writer and a publisher, but underneath everything, I am made of rust and glass. You are listening to Proud to Be of Rust and Glass, a podcast series of conversations surrounding the creative journey and all the good and ill associated with making great art in the Midwest. It is the human side of colors brushed onto canvas, of words scribbled between covers, of sweat and grit bled into telling our stories. Real stories about real people doing what we love best, making great art. Welcome to today's episode of Proud to Be of Rust and Glass. I'm sitting with Jody J. Summers, child of the system, better known as Spoken Truth. Jay is a poet and spoken word artist right here in the Toledo area. He's also a visual artist, and you can check out his work under the artistic brand Inked Truth. You'll find him traveling all over the area and beyond, speaking his truth in the best ways he knows how. Jay, I appreciate you being here today. Thanks for taking the time to be on the podcast with us. Awesome. Like, I don't know, hearing my intro every time is so weird. <laughs> I love hearing it. It's weird to hear stuff about yourself, isn't it? It's also kind of weird to hear your own voice, too, on things, but it's always always a good time. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm upset. A while ago, I missed you at uh, Author Fair that I was at. We've done that together before, uh, but we have managed to cross paths a few times. Uh, once yeah. at the Northwest Ohio Book Festival about, what, three years ago now almost? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that was awesome. I got to sit in a poetry workshop with yourself and with Johnny McIntyre, who was on last week. And you do all kinds of stuff like that. Yeah. Can you tell me a bit about some of your favorite events that you've done sort of in that range of, of things? I, w- I will say the stuff in Toledo, right? I do travel quite a bit. I just came back from Chicago for the third year for being the best nominated storyteller in the country. Didn't get it this year. But, you know, I, I get to travel with stuff like that, but I never get long-term stays at places so in Toledo our home I get to do everything I help out with the arts commission I help out with poetry events with uh, community events book bag giveaways basketball donations there's just like so much to do there's always people like oh there's nothing to do in Toledo and I'm like you haven't left your block have you (laughs) you haven't went around the corner talked to anybody you just have the same thing because there is a lot (laughs) oh yeah it's everywhere you turn, every weekend, during the week. It's big and small. Out of, of those events, do you usually prefer the more intimate poetry, spoken word events, or do you prefer, you know, the big stage? I like the intimate poetry events. That's where my creative work best fits, because I get one-on-one contact with people versus by the time I get to the big stage, it's like, I know this piece, hundreds of maybe who knows how many have seen this piece and now I get to share it with an audience for the first time Mm -hmm. like a grand scale who may never get to you know talk to me about why I put this line there or there but they're inspired to possibly go out and create their own Mm -hmm. and it's a little bit more intimate isn't it you get you get to actually have one-on-ones with people afterwards and, and learn more about how they sort of see you and how they're perceiving your work Yep, um and that's that's something that you know you couldn't you couldn't buy very, very true. Uh, the feedback also is amazing. The reason why I have so many genres is because I just said, kind of stuck my thumb out there and like, let's go. You got a uh, a drum festival? Let's go. Is that a <laughs> hip hop show? Let's go. EDM? Why my artwork dances and stuff? I was like, let's go. Never done one until my late 30s. So it was, it's been interesting. It sounds incredible. And so many different unique experiences to, to have along the way. Um, do any one of the 
five events that you've done stick out in your head as, as sort of the most mm-hmm. memorable? I, I want to say always, especially the last three years, possibly because I've been featuring them, but the <laughs> momentum events here in Toledo have stuck out a lot because we were going over it this week because um, next week or the one week we'll be back. And they were saying that this is started in 2017. And I'm like, wow, I've been there since the inception, but you don't really see it like that. You see it as, you know, this year we have two to three events. I get to meet a whole bunch of people and new artists. But those are the biggest ones, especially in Toledo, localized, that have been the most impactful. Awesome. Momentum's always a great time. Yep. Um, if, if, if anyone listening has never caught it, make sure to check it out next year. It's going to be an incredible event, as it always is. It's put together by a lot of passionate people, a lot of people from diverse backgrounds, and you get a little bit of everything from the arts world there, don't you? Yeah, from visual to artistic to bands and dancings. And I think this year we introduce, and hopefully we bring it back next year, is the silent disco. That sounds like a ton of fun. <laughs> I'm sad I missed that. So let's let's talk your poetry specifically. Where where do you get inspiration for 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 your words? Ah, uh, it's always like even after eight years going into nine, and then my farewell to the stage. Is people tell me I'm so talented. A lot of my words and thoughts, unfortunately, came from trauma, stuff that I repressed or didn't deal with, and then by the time I got into what my early thirties there wasn't these group of people around to really just distract me. And I was like, hmm, so what would I want to say if I was this kid that's mm-hmm. like, you're grown, mm-hmm. so you should know, you know, like, hold up, this is all the stuff that I've never been able to tell nobody. So kind of a endless pool, but it, it, it's it's weird. It's weird and complicated with my art because I, I produce everything. A big question that I get asked is what is my genre? And I have to tell people life. And they scratch their head, but what about love or romance? I do all of that. I do politics, I do love, I do self-care, I do domestic violence issues, which what my first book was about. And then people are like, but you can't. (laughs) (laughs) Why not? (laughs) Exactly. I I think you can find beauty in anything, even especially in tragedy, because those that have overcome of it overcome it have like crazy ideas about what the non-societal love or finding peace is right right Uh, was it difficult for you to finally sort of come out of that inner shell and and face that trauma yeah inherently i'm i'm an introvert and people's like but you on stages and you be doing this stuff because i kind of prepared myself for that Mm -hmm. But if you gave me the option of being at home, reading a book or gardening or something else, that's where I would be. But after decades of doing that, it wasn't changing the world around me. So I had to be like, here I am kind of more. And then as I got better with it or more adapted, it's just like, show me 10,000 people that I can inspire. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Even, even not keeping in mind sort of the stigmas around sharing your your pains and sharing your trauma it's not an easy thing to open up about it's not an easy thing to confront especially when you've pushed it down and pushed it away for so long and that's one of the great things about art isn't it i mean we we have this idea about art that it's supposed to be something beautiful it's supposed to be a pretty package with a bow on it (laughs) but some of the best art is the exact opposite isn't it yep the the most tragic people van gogh's and stuff that we gawk and look at now they and that's 
not to go off subject, but that's why I try and tell artists when they come up to me now, like how much is it worth and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, the people that are in museums now never sold anything. They went through mental health issues and mm -hmm. all this mm -hmm. stuff and created this not knowing what they were leaving to the world. Right. And now the society is a little bit, I drew on this paper, give me a thousand dollars. I mean, the the money does help. I mean, it's, it it's hard to create when you're you're scrounging, but we mentioned trauma and, and things that we deal with and facing them. It doesn't always have to be big traumas either. It can be little things that compound over your life. And if you can put that little thing into a poem and perform it in front of three or four people that, you know, have dealt with something similar, who connect with that on a very emotional and deep level, I mean, that's that's the beauty of it. It really is a great tool to be able to share who yeah. we are. I, I think that's the most impactful part because you asked me earlier, big crowd, large crowd. When you perform in front of two or three people or even a single person, you can see that emotion run through them. In a big crowd, you're kind of lost. You're not mm -hmm. trying to get blinded by the lights or a sound person mm -hmm. may be wrong. So right. you know you have this thing and there's a lot more moving parts. With one-on-ones, you can actually see if that was a good piece or not. Best way to explain it. Right. You can see the, the visceral reactions of the people that are sitting right next to you. Yep. When we think of performance art, spoken word art, uh, any kind of thing where you're on the stage and in the spotlight, that is a completely different headspace than what's behind it, the writing part of it. Mm -hmm. And as someone who... How many how many shows a year do you say you, you probably do on average? About 350. 350, and that's all across the spectrum from, from the larger shows and yep. to uh, reading a poem in an Uber, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> how, do you, how do you shift from the writer's mindset to the performer's mindset? It's been a lot of practice. Um, in my early years, I talked a lot through it. So to stop myself from like explaining the piece and then telling you and then explaining it again, mm -hmm. I kind of came up with, I guess you could say code words for myself. So anytime I'm doing a poem, I start with begin piece. It's kind of my cue to myself and to the mm -hmm. audience to know that this isn't me talking. This is how I think things through. Because that's all of my poetry and stories. It's me thinking things through for a certain amount of time and then stopping and seeing what I came up with. And I end them with end piece and lets me know like, hey, I can talk again. I'll have to be... I can be Jay again. Yes. <laughs> I'll have to look at this person that hasn't blinked in like two minutes, and I'm like, crap. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, I I read something out loud to a group of strangers, I think one time maybe. That's just not something I've practiced with. That's not something that, you know, I've I've been in a enough situations to have that practice, but I can even imagine after you have done 350 shows a year for how many years... It still doesn't come easy, does it? Nope. I get butterflies every time. Mm -hmm. um, that never early. changes. That's something I think people need to realize is you're always going to feel kind of like you're jumping out into the deep end, right? Yep. Because especially being a solo artist, aside from different practices, because you have a whole team behind you, when you're solo, it's like you never quite fully know if it works later on because you may never see this person again. Right. It may be this one-time encounter. They may get on your social or they may see you again years down the road, but it's kind of... Uh, one and done. You're left fulfilled but also empty because you don't know how to reciprocate that back. Mm -hmm. You kind of you put it on the table and you didn't even get to see if somebody picked it up or not really. Yeah. 
You, on top of your writing and your performances, you also have a visual aspect to your arts, don't you? Yep. Can you tell us a little bit about that? What kind of things you do on paper? So after, in the process of writing my second book for the Tears of the Wounded series, I wanted them illustrated. Uh, Each chapter I wanted to have something different and I kept going around to people and they kept giving me these uh, digital drawings or, or something similar that I could look up and see that it was just barely alterated in, um, what is this photo program, Photoshop and mm-hmm. stuff. So I was like, okay. I, I sat down, it was the 4th of July. It had been like two weeks. I hadn't heard nothing from nobody and I started hearing fireworks. And I had this image of uh, a guy by the name of Darius Simpson painted something while I was performing and I asked him, could I use it one day? And so I drew him out. Um, currently, his name is Steven in a way, and in my last book, I actually named him as the illustrator, so he kind of broke the fourth wall. And through the process of that, I wanted to describe the words that I couldn't in color. So I started off small with three colors, black, a black pen, a blue pen, and a mechanical pencil. And I found more stuff. Uh, walk, walking, I walk a lot. <laughs> I have a stick now. But uh, I was walking by the Toledo School for the Arts, and I saw this pen case on the ground with all these colors that I guess somebody threw or dropped or lost, and I incorporated them into my art. So the new colors, and as everything changed, I wanted to show that beauty can come from even things that were left on the ground. And people's like, oh, what colors do you use? I show them the pen box of some more worn down, some probably dried out because mm-hmm. I haven't, it's been a while, but <laughs> that, and all I did was take that image that I drew by hand, which hurt. Uh, some of my drawings were, for the first few in the three colors were eight hours, and I broke that down into four hour sessions, and then it got up to one that is 125 hours wow. with 65 colors in it. So under LEDs, the signs, people was like, they're so colorful now. And I'm like, wait, let me turn on this light. And the signs move or the eyes blink based on the color spectrum that gets hit on them. That's very cool. So you can actually see in, in color, in real color, the evolution of, of your art. Yep. That's very cool. Uh, you did mention uh, one of your projects, Tears of the Wounded, I believe you said. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? So that was my first book. I, I started art, going back. So the first time I ever even touched a mic and people was like, oh, you're so good, was March 23rd, 2015 um, by, the, uh, by a woman named Kay Renee. is her stage, rain, stage name. And uh, she kind of tricked me into going on stage because she wrote my name in the open mic list. <laughs> and then I had an open mic started uh, April 1st. And from then a person came along, her name is Dee Brown. She had this event for Catfest and she wanted to know if we had anything on domestic violence or suicide prevention. And I said, I got a couple things. We had a month deadline and I waited and waited a week before the deadline. I finally finished out. That sounds familiar. (laughs) The manuscript, it was 30 pages, but I gave a onion of what domestic violence looks like from the person that never speaks out that you think, oh, they're good in in society, Mm -hmm. they got good jobs to what happens when you invite an abuser into your house, how that can affect you, your family, even years down the road, LGBTQ issues. There's more letters, but that's the ones I remember. And then the male side of the coin, which is like never got talked about back in 2015. Mm -hmm. 
And then there was one about overdose and um, cyberbullying. So I took that and kind of just went with it. The second book, I wanted to do all the stage work that got me there. Okay. The performances, so spoken truth, that came from every time I hop on stage, I would tell people, name's child of the system. And they're like, what? You're like 35. <laughs> like, okay, there's a story behind the poem and stuff, and they're like, nah, you you speak the truth. I'm like, okay, so what can I do with this? So it kept rumbling in my head and then spoken truth. People would chant it back and it's like, okay, so that sticks. And that's uh, within the artwork too. So if you watch the evolution of the artwork, there are 48 pieces on the way to 60. Very cool. And I turned them into stickers because I just took that drawing and it like, was horrible on my hands because I had never <laughs> drew anything before and digitized it. Then took that digital image, the ones that I put online are less quality, so don't be trying to grab nothing. Because <laughs> that's the reality. The internet does have, does have a way of, of protecting artists by doing that, doesn't it? Yep. Even if it's inadvertent, but. So, and then the higher quality ones I can take from the size of a four by two sticker to the size of a building if I wanted to. Very cool. So, yeah. So many different ways to be able to tell your story and to tell the stories of so many thousands of other people. Yep. Instead of just talking about it, why don't we uh why don't we hear some of your poems? And I have a poem actually dedicated to PBS cuz I was at the book fair that he was talking about, Northwest Ohio Teen Book Festival, and my poetry is more adult. So I'm like, what can I tell these kids <laughs> in the slam? So I'm there, I'm jotting down some lines and like, oh, when I was their age, was got I it was like from second grade on up through middle school. But what was I doing? Came out. I grew up on PBS. So, let's begin. Peace. As a kid, my family didn't have much growing up, but we did have public broadcasting. I would sit there and watch the screen and imagine, yes, imagine a different life. We didn't have cable or satellite, and our vacations, yes, our vacations were only as far as public transportation would take us. So I sat there and absorbed all the information I could glean, watching the electric company, Fraggle Rock, Sesame Street, this old house, the reading rainbow, Bob Ross, yes, Bob Ross creating happy little trees the magic school bus the various amounts of cooking shows and how to diy i was always amazed by the master class series and how these amazing creators got to be the person they were the fundraisers were interesting but i enjoyed yes i enjoyed the orchestras more than anything bill nye the science guy Schoolhouse Rocks, and Nova, yes, Nova, took the cake. As I got older, my life, yes, my life was nothing, no nothing like I saw on the screen. I couldn't find Big Bud or the Cookie Monster, and all I seemed to run into was Oscar the Grouches as I got older. No Super Grovers or Elmos appeared, and there weren't, no, there weren't too many happy little trees. I felt like I had made a mistake somewhere, 
and definitely took a wrong turn into the feeding cage of Jack Hanamus Animal Show before they were put on the screen. I found myself lost for many years, and then one day, yes, one day, I decided to make a change. I took a right, yes, a right, at Mr. Rogers' house instead of the left that put me down this road. I saw the familiar face of Snuffleupagus and continued down Sesame Street, guided by the reading rainbow, and paused, yes, paused, at the completed old house. I finally found those happy little trees and grabbed a mill, yes, grabbed a mill from Julia Child. The electric company finished up the street lights just as Miss Frizzle was pulling up to take me the rest of the way. The Kratz brothers waved and showed me that the animals weren't so scary. And the count, yes, the count, gave me the numbers I needed to subtract from where I went wrong. Now I write books, create artwork, my own brands, and I am building, yes, building a better future for those that see me now. I get to perform all over the world with the sound of my voice and the imagination PBS instilled in me as a kid. My family didn't have much growing up, but we did have public broadcasting. And because of those hours, yes, hours spent in front of the screen, I am here, yes, here to tell you my dreams and peace. I love it. What I, what I like about that piece, this is the second time hearing it, first time hearing it with, with, the, with headphones on. So uh, what I really love about that piece is how much of that I can connect with from my childhood, but also the fact you talk about futures and making changes and um, how much of that can connect to the current generation too. Yeah. I mean, my, my, my own son is, is watching a lot of this stuff and connects with all this stuff, which is incredible to see the next generation enjoying the same things we did um, yeah. and hopefully not making the same mistakes that we did too. Yes. <laughs> well, they were good. I, I feel mistakes, if, if you come out, wiser on the end then it was a good thing mm -hmm. we shouldn't be upset at our mistakes because they kind of make us who we are hopefully one day i'll get to say that on air <laughs> here at this wonderful station <laughs> that is the plan with that piece one day i love it i think we might have time for one more poem if you've got another one in you okay you know i was going to do because you know 9 11 happened not too long ago a piece on that but i guess we're gonna go with happy uh this is one of my pieces and that piece I grew up on PBS is in my latest book, The Childhood Trauma Series, One Year in the Mirror. And I'll tell you later on where you can find all that stuff and all the good things. But this piece is called Just Stressed. It's um, more of coming out of that book into the next book in this series of where I am now. So poetry, uh, no, my fairy tale mind. But <laughs> it's called Just Stress. Let's begin Peace. Comfortable again. I like my space here. I get to be the Kermit the Frog, Doctor Who, Cat in the Hat, Marcus Poppins. Still waiting on Mary. Where's Waldo, man in black? Checking my watch like the white rabbit as I smile, yes, smile like the Cheshire cat. 
This mad had a white whale of a unicorn riding my own rainbow, trying, yes, trying to find my own Neverland. No one can harm you if they don't know enough about you to make false statements that others might believe. Not waiting, yes, waiting for someone to catch me if they can because I am nobody's, yes, nobody's gingerbread man. But I'll dance, yes, I'll dance to the music inside my head like the Pied Piper moving down, yes, moving down my yellow brick road and sometimes, yes, sometimes people come to dance. Just a guy, a simple man, Warm and comforting like a bonfire, but if you get too close, I do burn. I am all-consuming, and I do not have pity for those that try and put me out. I just want to provide warmth, a safe space for you to stay until another companion, yes, another companion comes along the way. Do not take me with you unless you plan on taking care of me too. No smothering and keep me fed with good stories as kindling with boundaries, yes, boundaries provided by the connection between me and you. <laughs> yeah, that went left well quick. But that's literally how my brain works. If you have a conversation with me, that's normally what happens. But I'm so serious. That's the only type, yes, that's the only type of partner I'm looking for. Someone that can read between the jumbo lines and still care, yes, still care to find me in the end. I paid attention to far too many fairy tales growing up, and I truly wish there was some quest or dragon, yes, dragon to fight to find the love of my life. Because trying to prove myself to all these damsels have only left me stressed, just stressed in peace. Awesome. You did mention, you know, writing love poetry earlier. That's a bit of a of, of a love poem, right? A little bit of self-love. And, yeah, if you uh, read between the lines, it's all there. I love it. I love it so much. Thank you so much for performing both of those for us. Where can people sort of follow along on your creative journey? You said that you have some books out and obviously you're traveling a lot. And Yep. Actually, I'm just coming back from a trip from Tokyo, which you'll see on my pages and all the stuff like that. My 10th book just turned one year, which is called the Childhood Trauma Series. I've done, uh, last year I did six or seven anthologies, which are all over the place. But the easiest way to find me, if you, you can Google me now, which is kind of weird. <laughs> but if you type in my name, J-O-D-I-E-L period Summers, and you'll find my YouTubes, my Instagrams, my Facebooks, all that stuff. I don't really do short content, so you're not going to see no TikToks or anything like that. But I'm the person you're talking to. I learned too much in the industry beginning that people will do stuff and not tell you that they're doing it for you, but still take the money. <laughs> so I learned to, hey, if you contact one of those pages or outlets, you're speaking directly to me. Uh, sometimes I, it takes a little while to get back mm -hmm. to, but I will reach back out. Yeah, it could be overwhelming to, to try to manage all of that yourself, but it does show when it's you instead of some guy in San Francisco or yep. you know, on the Dubai. East Coast doing your stuff for you. <laughs> that your parents may still be alive and this is the Wikipedia and stuff and I'm like oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well Jay, thank you again so much for being here with me today. This has been an absolute pleasure. Uh, it always is and I appreciate you being on the show. Yeah, it's definitely an honor. Childhood dream fulfilled. Another one <laughs> in the bucket list. <laughs> I love it. Have a great week. Thank you. 
Jay Summers reminds me of the storytellers of old. I can't tell you how many times I've seen him out in the wild, walking stick in hand, poems snug in his back pocket. He's one of a select group of poets in the Toledo area who really understands the importance of strong oral traditions. If you ever see him out, be sure to stay a while and listen. I am your host and producer, Curtis Dieter. Our executive producer is Chris Pfeiffer. If you want to join the conversation, check us out at wgte.org backslash rust and glass. Until next time, thanks for listening. Now go forth and create. WGTE. Voices around us. WGTE is supported in part by American Rescue Plan Act funds allocated by the City of Toledo and the Lucas County Commissioners and administered by the Arts Commission.